My story is a confession. So I need to know if any of my students are in the audience. Okay. Uh, too late now. All right. I am a child of the 80s. But the 80s... Oh, da, 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 the 80s in Alaska. Where men are men and women win the Iditarod. So I was set uh, to become one of those women, or at least try the last great race. By the time I was 11 and had my first sled dog of my very own, I had laid out a plan, mapping out um, when I was going to get my truck and my dog box, how uh, much I would have to budget for attaboy dog food and vet bills. And today, I live my life with a different set of plans. I live my life with lesson plans. And instead of bunny boots, I wear dance goes. <laughs> and although there are morphological similarities, they are distinctly different genetic lines. <laughs> but there is a line between my childhood aspirations of becoming an Iditarod sled dog musher and my current occupation as a college professor. And it's not simply that generalization that it's not the destination, it's the journey, nor is it the bizarre hallucinations that are well documented on the Iditarod sled dog race from um, teams disappearing and reappearing along the trail outside of the Iditarod ghost town. My hallucination occurred in a similar lull um, between exams, where student attrition dropped a bit, but a student started showing up who I didn't recognize. And at first, I was under um, some impression that he was getting a ride with a student who was enrolled in the class and waiting for his friend after class, but then he showed up when that guy wasn't there. And he was asking questions and engaged in class and contributing, so I didn't question that any further. <laughs> but the key link for me between that foolish stubbornness that embodies sled dog mushing and my current approach to teaching um, came uh, on, a, on a night like this one. It's in the middle of finals weeks, folks. And, you know, we have that example of, of foolish stubbornness in uh, dog sledding lore. Libby Riddles, right? 1985. What did she do? She set out into a snowstorm and made her way from trail marker to trail marker, walking with her lead dogs until she could see the next one. My first year of teaching down in uh, Washington State, I was without a car, so I had a similar road marker set out where I would hop on my bike um, up to North Seattle Community College over here, invigorated, um, meet with students, teach my lesson, hop on my bike, go back over to um, 
the bus route to Bellevue College, which is out by the drink table. And uh, then I would teach there and then um, bus back, grading all the way, of course, and then um, bike back home and sort of prep my lesson for the next day and kind of keep this roller coaster going. And everything was fine until finals week, where I had two finals back to back, one at North, right, and one over at the drink table, and not even Martin Booster with a wind sail could have made that trip in time to get to my next final. So I made arrangements with my department chair. I would leave copies of the final with him, and he would proctor the exam until I got there. And I was working on a great exam. It was well-balanced with difficulty of questions and um, topics important to a fundamental understanding of oceanography, which is what, you know, I was teaching. That made sense. should have brought copies of the exam for, for you folks tonight. But uh, I was noting that the hours were, were, were ticking by as I was working on this exam, but I had to get it done. So I finished the exam. Shortly after 1 a.m., I had a beautiful stack of perfect exams, and my bus um, had, had passed, but not the exam. It, I mean, it, it, was, it was gone. So I thought about taking another bus to Seattle, but involved a transfer at 2 in the morning in kind of a sketchy part of town. So I would have called my best friend from grad school, but he had the gall to go get a postdoc on the East Coast. I thought about a few other folks I could call, but I realized, you know, I didn't actually need to get home because my husband was out of town, so he wasn't going to worry about me, and, you know, I could tell him later what happened, and, um, you know, he was traveling with the U.S. men's Paralympic soccer team at the time, right? So I looked around, and the spot of the carpet underneath my desk looked so soft, you know? <laughs> but as soon as I closed my eyes, I remembered Jeff King, 2008 Elam, right? That's when Lance Mackey snuck out and put 54 minutes on him to go and win the Iditarod back-to-back -back with the Yukon Quest, second time in history. So instead, I knew I knew what are the biology professors going to do if they find me under the desk when they come in in the morning. So I um, wandered downstairs glaring at those fluorescent lights that were glaring down at me to a place I knew no one would look and was dark. The shower. So I went down to the shower, and I had sort of settled my, myself in and was laying down, kind of tossing and turning, and I froze when I heard the footsteps coming down the hall to the janitorial closet. So I alternated that night thinking about how I was just about to fall asleep, but then hearing the janitor's... Um, creaking elevator shaft right next to the shower stall. And also thinking about how grateful I was that in my real life I had a bed to go home to. And I made it through that long or short night and caught the early commuter bus back to Seattle, took a shower in my own house, and biked up to North. And ask my students at my poster session uh, final, stimulating 
constructive questions that um, furthered student learning. And I don't know where those questions came from after the end of a frazzled semester and a crazy night, but that's a similarity between dog mushers and college professors. We make the best of what we can with what we've got. And I might not be Susan Butcher fending off a crazed moose with a wood axe, but sometimes you make do with a shower curtain. <laughs>